All right, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Thanks, so uh, my name is Brian Smith. I am the student pastor here at Dominique Baptist, if I haven't met you yet. Uh, and we just got back from camp, like on Friday. That's why, that's why we all have our matching shirts on. And uh, in a little bit, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a, a video of camp. But I, I just want to tell you, camp was, was an amazing week. I have a picture of the students who were there uh, I want to share with you as well. Uh, but camp was amazing. We saw multiple decisions where people were praying for forgiveness and praying for salvation. Uh, we had six baptisms at camp this week. Um, oh. Uh, and uh, we also saw a car that was on fire. Uh, so... I just want to tell you this story because I think it's the most Alabama thing ever. No offense if you're from Alabama. Uh, our camp, where we go to camp, is in, is in the mountains of North Alabama. And uh, we were leaving. This is the last day of camp. And I was driving my truck ahead of the buses. And we drive past a yard. And there's a car on fire. Like, not on the side of the road, not in the driveway, in the middle of the yard. And there's one man uh, with no shirt on on the porch watching it. And another guy on the phone, I'm assuming calling the fire department at some point. Uh, but uh, so I called the, the buses. I called Derek, who works in student ministry, and he's on the guy's bus. And I was like, Derek, get ready. Out the right side window, you're going to see a car on fire. Get everybody ready. I called Anita, who's our student ministry admin, and she was in charge of the girls' bus. And I said, Anita, get everybody ready. On the right side window, you're going to see a car on fire. Derek's response was, that's awesome. And he laughed. <laughs> Anita's first response was, do we need to find an alternate route? Has someone called the fire department? <laughs> totally different responses. Uh, so what happened uh, at camp. So uh, it really was, it, it was amazing. I'll tell you a couple stories about it. Um, but I want to show you a, a video. It's a recap video. It is, uh, it's about three minutes long. It's kind of long, but it's worth it. So I want you guys to check this out and uh, just kind of see what we did at camp this week. So... It, it really was, it was an amazing week. I just want to acknowledge for the baptisms, how gentle and slow I baptized people and how Derek was dunking people as hard as he could. Uh, but church, I, I want to tell you this. Um, what we get to do when we go to camp, especially this summer camp, it wouldn't be possible w without all of the church. And as a student pastor, I just want to say thank you for being a church that cares about the next generation, uh, for all the adults who gave up like a week of their summer to not sleep, you know, with a bunch of middle school and high school students. And we really got to see God do some incredible things. Let me just share one story because I think it's it's why I feel like I should be so grateful. Um, the student ministry and as our church, we partnered with the ministry uh, in Guatemala and there was a, a local missionary down there. Um, she's a single mom. She has two daughters and they're, they're middle school and high school ages. And every year when we go down to Guatemala, we, their names are Poppy and Ruby. We ask Poppy and Ruby to join us. They're, they become part of our team. And we tell the girls, hey, you're a DBC student who just happens to live in Guatemala. Uh, last year, um, there was a really generous donation given to the student ministry. And because of that, we were able to fly Poppy and Ruby from Guatemala to come to camp. So they really are one of your students, church. You have students that just live, you know, 6,000 miles away in Guatemala. And um, yeah. it really, like, like I, mean, I mean it, it really wouldn't be possible without y'all. So I'm, I'm so grateful. Uh, I'm so thankful. And God moved. Uh, our theme for camp this week was like no other, how Jesus is unique. There never was someone like him and there never will be. And Jesus was a master at asking questions. That's what this whole series is about. And Jesus never wasted his words. Sometimes he had simple phrases, 
But he asked the question we're going to look at this morning that seems simple on the surface, but it, it is powerful and it's poignant. And it's a question I think is one we should ask of ourselves. Uh, but before we, we get to the scripture, I want to ask you guys a question. Has there ever been like something in your life that you really liked, you really enjoyed, but you knew it was bad for you uh, and you kind of kept doing it anyway, right? Sometimes it's simple. I'm going to share with you the silliest example I have ever shared in front of a whole church of people. Uh, here's my example. When I was a kid growing up, we would go on uh, you know, family vacations and road trips and we'd go to gas stations and we'd run in and there's, there was three of us. We'd run in, we'd gather our snacks, we'd throw it on the counter, we'd go to the car. Uh, 30 minutes after every time we ever stopped at a gas, gas station, I got like violently ill. Like violently, I was sick, I was cramping, I was in pain, I was sweating, I was miserable. And every single trip, every time we stopped at a gas station, so if it was like a long drive, it was like two or three times that I was getting sick. And my mom was always asking me like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing in the gas station that's hurting you this bad? And eventually we figured out what it was. And, and here's what it was. When I was a kid, one of my favorite snacks in the entire world were Slim Jims, uh, specifically the spicy hot Slim Jims, like the hottest ones. This one's not that bad. And I love to drink apple juice. And so what I would do as a child is I would go into the gas station and I'd get the biggest Slim Jim I could and eat it as fast as I could and then drink as much apple juice as I could as fast as I could. And that makes me violently ill. So, uh, and here's why I'm telling you this story. Here's what's crazy about that. I learned that when I was like 10, but up until like 18, every now and then I would go into gas stations and be like, give me that Slim Jim and apple juice, knowing it was going to make me sick. In fact, I thought, it, I thought about it, I'm not going to, but I thought about eating this and drinking this during the service to give like, to see if it works again. But I don't want to do that. So what I will do is I will offer it to anyone if they want to do the experiment in person. I don't want to go to Josh because Josh, it's obviously only the students are willing to do this. Uh, all right, I... I'm going to say Michael. I'm going to go with Michael because he's, come on, Michael. Here you go. Don't drop it. I caught it. You did catch it. Well done. Ah, you tried. So here's the deal, Michael. Uh, if it messes you up, you can't distract me, dude. You just got to suffer through it. That's how this works. All right. Uh, <laughs> here, here's, here's where I bring that up. Uh, oftentimes in life, we are faced with a choice and we have to choose between what is best for us and what breaks us. For example, Michael just chose what's going to break him, right? We, we see this choice over and over again. And when it's silly things like apple juice and Slim Jims, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. But the truth is, if any of us have ever experienced addictions, we know how hard it can be to choose the thing that we know is best for us. We see it clearly, this is the way I should live, but I choose this instead over and over again. Sometimes choosing God's best for you is not simple. It's not easy. It's clear, but it's hard to do. If you have a, a, like this, that repeated sin that happens over and over again, and you tell yourself over and over again, I'm never going to do this thing again, and then you find yourself back in the same place, we are often faced with this choice. Do we choose the things that are best for us or the things that break us? It happens in marriages. We know, you know, husbands and wives, we know we're supposed to pursue each other, date each other, speak kind words, respect, love, and care for one another. 
But sometimes you just want to watch a soccer game and it's easy to say an unkind word to your spouse. And we know we shouldn't. You know you shouldn't. You know it hurts the relationship, but it's hard sometimes to choose between what's best, what's wise, what's healthy, and the things that break relationships. Students, if you have siblings, younger siblings, older siblings, you know you shouldn't hit them. Like it's obvious, you know you shouldn't because you know when you hit them, usually it means the parents might hit you later, right? There's always a progression, but sometimes they're so annoying that you feel like you have to, and you know you shouldn't, but, but you, you do it anyway. It happens in relationships. It happens in schools. We are often faced with this choice. Do I choose what's best for me or do I choose what breaks me? And it is a harder choice than we usually realize. This morning, Jesus finds a man in this situation, in a broken situation, and he asks him a question that is simple but is powerful. So I want to read John chapter 5, starting in verse 1 with you. It says, After this, a Jewish festival took place. So, after, let me just give you the after this part. Um, right before chapter five and chapter four, Jesus meets with a woman, a Samaritan woman. He has a conversation with her that leads her to repent, change her life. She goes back to her hometown. Uh, countless people put their faith in Jesus because of this conversation. Jesus is sharing the good news of what he offers all throughout the region. He, he meets a, a Jewish official whose son is sick and is miles and miles away. And Jesus heals the son based on the man's faith from a distance. So he's, he's healed a son. He's, he's spoken to and, and helped save an entire Sumerian town. And that's where we pick up. So after all of that took place, Jesus goes to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool that's called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Uh, if any of y'all went on the Israel trip that just got back, uh, the Israel trip got to go to this pool. We know where this place is. This is an archaeological site that has been discovered, and we can stand in the same place that Jesus had this conversation. But he comes to the pool of Bethesda, and in verse 3 it says, and within these colonnades there lay a large number of disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. This pool was, was surrounded. It was like a rectangular pool, and it was surrounded. My Bible says large numbers. Yours might say multitudes, but it's a lot of people, lots and lots of people gathered around this pool, and they all share one thing in common. They're all broken in some way. They're all physically broken. They're all spiritually broken, and they've gathered around this pool. Uh, the second half of verse 3 and verse 4 is essentially a footnote. Like in your Bible, it might be in brackets. That's why it's in brackets, or it might be a footnote at the bottom. But a scribe explains why the people were gathered around this pool. Here's what they write. Uh, the people were waiting for the moving of the water because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time. They would stir up the water. And then the first one who got in after the water was stirred up recovered from whatever ailment he had. So there was a, a local belief that if this water started to move on its own, if you got into the water first, then you would be saved. So there's a crowd of broken people all around this pool, surrounding this pool, hoping to get in the water to be healed of their brokenness. Verse 5 one man who was there had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he realized he had already been there a long time. He said to the man, do you want to get well? And I feel like that's such an interesting question. Do you really want to get well? For 38 years, that's, his, that's my entire life, right? For 38 years, this man has been at this pool hoping to get in the water that's supposed to heal people, right? So it sounds like the obvious answer to this question would be, yes, that's why I'm here. 
this is what I'm, I'm here for. I'm trying to be well. But like I said, Jesus' questions are always more powerful. There's more depth to them than we can imagine. Jesus knew that this man's entire life had been defined by his brokenness. Think about it. For 38 years, his home was a mat next to this pool. For 38 years, all the friends he ever knew were people who were around the pool. His society, his culture, his identity, his home was just this brokenness around the pool. And Jesus is asking him, hey, do you really want to leave this behind? Because if I heal you, you have to get up and you have to leave all of this behind. And honestly, Church, we all know there are things that break us. We know what they are, but the truth is we love the things that break us. Oftentimes we, we like the things. We say, I'm never going to do this again, or I won't talk to that person this way, or I won't get back in this relationship, but there's something about them that draw us back to it over and over again. We love the things that break us, and Jesus is asking this man, are you sure do you want to leave the brokenness behind? Do you want to leave your community behind? Do you want to leave your culture behind? Do you want to leave your identity behind? Because all of that is required if you're going to walk and you're going to follow me. This, this tension about doing the things we know are bad for us and ignoring the things that we know are wise and healthy and good for us, it's something that's been pursuing us since the, the very beginning. Paul, in Romans chapter 7, he, he writes about this. I'm going to read one verse from Romans 7, 15. Paul writes this, he says, For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Even from the very beginning of the church, this has been something we've been battling with. I know the right step, but I choose the wrong one. And Paul describes it as a war. He says, there's this war in my body between sin and the spirit, between the flesh and God's presence in my life. Paul goes on to say that, that he feels like a wretched man and he cries out at the end of chapter 7, who could possibly save me from this war that's inside of me? This thing that does what I hate and ignores what I love. The, the truth is sometimes we like our brokenness. So Jesus says to the man in verses 5 and 6, he'd been there for 38 years. Jesus realized that and then he asks him, do you really, really want to get well? Are you ready to leave the brokenness behind? As soon as at camp, we had moments where people prayed. And maybe you prayed, God, I won't be in this situation again. I won't go to this website again. I won't talk to this person again. And you pray that prayer and you prayed it before and you pray it over and over again. But the truth is, maybe you don't really want to leave it behind. Right? Adults, we know how important our relationships can be with our family, with our friends, with our church. But sometimes it's easier to be selfish than it is to be selfless. And we know what that does. We know that our, our selfishness, it breaks up marriages and it breaks up families and it breaks up churches and it breaks up small groups. But sometimes it's just easier to choose the thing that we know is wrong because some part of us, we actually love it. And that's the question Jesus is asking, man, are you sure? Because if you're going to follow me, if you're going to get up off this mat and you're going to follow Jesus, he's going to require us the change. The man responds, and I think his response is interesting. So Jesus says, are you sure you want to get well? Do you want to be well? Verse 7, the man says, sir, the man answered, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. I think his answer is interesting because Jesus, he, maybe he doesn't know. He doesn't know who Jesus is. He doesn't realize that the Son of God is standing right next to him. 
But the man says, hey, do you want to get well? And his first answer isn't yes. His first response is, I can't do it on my own. I can't. I've tried. I've tried to get into the water, but someone always beats me. I tried to get in there, and I don't have it. I can't walk on my own into the water. And church, that's true of us as well. The truth is, you are not strong enough to walk away from your own brokenness. The man in the pool, he realized this. Right? I can't do this on my own. And the same thing is true for all of us. So if you've ever had that, that tension inside of you where you're like, I'm never going to do this again. I'm not going to eat Slim Jims and apple juices. You're doing okay? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but then you do it over and over again. You do it again, right? And you're like, I'm never going to do that again. So how do we usually combat that repeated sin that shows up in our lives? We do a couple things. We just commit to trying harder. Like, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to work harder. I'm not going to be in this relationship anymore. I'm not going to talk this way anymore. I, I won't respond in this situation with anger anymore. Like, I'm going I'm to do better. I feel guilty. And since I feel guilty, I'm going to try harder. And here's the truth. You are not strong enough to walk away from your brokenness. That man at the pool had been there for 38 years. No amount of trying was going to get him into the water. He could have tried and put in all the effort in the entire world. And he would have never got into the water we are not strong enough to walk away from our own brokenness. So we try really hard or we make deals with God. God, if you forgive me this time, I won't do it again. And then we do it again and say, God, if you forgive me this time, I won't do it again. And then you do it again. It, this, this thing inside of us that convinces us that if we just tried harder, if we worked harder, if we ran faster, if we pushed more, we could get past this thing. It's a lie. We are not strong enough on our own to walk away from our own brokenness. No amount of push-ups, no amount of work could have got that guy off the ground. You are not strong enough to defeat your brokenness, but the good news is that Jesus is. Jesus responds to the man in verse 8. Jesus says, get up, he told the man. Pick up your mat and walk, and then instantly the man got well. He picked up his mat, and he started to work, walk. Jesus didn't tell him he had to work harder, didn't, Jesus didn't tell him he had to try harder. Jesus told him to get up and leave the brokenness behind. And he did, and it was instantaneous. It happened immediately. So, so church, how do we get past those things in our life that we know are harmful and that we know hurt our relationships, break our families, break our spirits, makes us feel that guilt that weighs us down, that repeated sin over and over again where we choose the things that break us. Here's what we do. We, we follow this man's example. If you really want to walk away from your own brokenness, you have to practice walking towards Jesus. Let me, let me say it a different way. If you want to walk away from your brokenness, you have to walk towards the one who was broken for us. Like on the cross, on the cross, Jesus became the sins of those of us who put our faith in him. He makes this exchange, right? He became uh, our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And now here's what we do. All we do is we pursue Jesus. That's why we have summer camp students. That's why we have small groups and, and Bible studies. That's why we meet on the mornings. All of this is about pursuing Jesus. And there's something inside us that says, no, 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 that's too simple. That's too easy. Like if I really want to get past this big thing in my life, I got to try harder. I got to work harder. I got to get stronger. And Jesus says, no, you just have to walk with me. 
That, that man lying on the mat for 38 years didn't realize it at the moment, but he was standing next to the only person who could set him free. He was so close to him, he experienced Jesus' power and presence in his life. And that's still the offer to us. The way we walk away from our brokenness is we walk towards Jesus, the one who was broken for us. And the closer we are to him, the more we see his power and his presence in our life. It sounds so simple, but it's powerful. Just like the questions that Jesus asked, they seem simple, but there's depth. Just regularly pursuing God, it changes things. We can't change ourselves, but the closer we are to the one who created us and who formed us and who designed us, then he can change you. He can change your marriages. He can change your families. He, he can change you where you are right now. Jesus walks to this pool that's surrounded by brokenness in the midst of the brokenness and he meets a person and he pulls him out of it. And Jesus still makes that offer to us every day. He walks into our own brokenness and to our own shame and our own sins and the things that divide and separate us from God. And he provides a way for us to come back home. That's incredible. That's the beauty and the power of the gospel. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about trying harder and doing more. It's about making the choice to pursue Jesus. And the closer you are to him, the more you see him in your life. I'm going to pray for us in just a moment. We're going to go into a final song. But as we start this final song, I want to kind of give you a challenge. Here's what I would challenge you to do. Wherever you are in your faith this morning, Make today, make a conscious choice to say, I'm going to walk closer to Jesus. And I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's, maybe it's really simple. You're going to go home today and you're going to open your Bible and you're going to read and you're going to do that thing where you try to start at Genesis and read through the whole thing, right? You could try it. Sometimes it works. But just read God's word because you want to know him more. Maybe as we go into this last song, it's a time for you to, to pray. Grab the person who's sitting next to you and ask for prayer. You don't have to be prompted for it. You can just pray with the people in your church. That's what we're here for. We, we pursue God together. If you want to sing, man, sing out with everything you've got. These kids lost their voices at the end of a week-long camp, and y'all could join in and worshiping and praising that way. Also, church, I mean, if you're here this morning and you've never experienced the forgiveness and the grace that Jesus offers— that, that offer to exchange your sin for his righteousness, maybe the step that you take closer to Jesus this morning is the very first one. Say, I have sinned against you and I need to be forgiven. You can pray that prayer and God responds. He saves, just like the man at the well. But the truth is, church, we have all felt that tension of, of having to choose between what breaks us and what God's best for us is. And we often choose wrong. We all know what it feels like to try harder and to feel like you're getting nowhere. We got to remember that we're not strong enough to walk away from our brokenness on our own. Our only hope, our only option is to walk towards the one who was broken for us. And that's what we want to do as a church. Today, tomorrow, every day after, we walk closer and closer to Jesus because every step closer to him it's worth it. So I'm going to pray. Uh, the band's going to lead us. When I'm done, I'm going to kind of stand off to the side and try not to trip on that camera cable. But uh, if you want to talk to me, I would love to talk to you. If you want to talk after the service, come and talk to me. If you want to pray, uh, I'll pray with you. If you want to grab the students because they're all hyped for Jesus right now, they'll pray with you. I promise. Um, if you need to respond, respond. 
But I want all of us to take steps closer to Jesus this morning. Y'all pray with me. Father God, we, um, we are so grateful that you're the king who walks into the brokenness. When, when, when the pool of Bethesda was surrounded by people who were physically and spiritually broken, you didn't shy away from it. God, you walked in the midst of it. And Father, sometimes it's easy for us to think that in, in our own lives, that our shame, our brokenness is too foul and you would not want to be with us. But that's not true. You walk into the brokenness. You provide a way out. And you ask us, do we really want to get well? Do we truly want to leave it behind and follow you? Father, those of us who've made that choice, we know how good it is. We know how powerful it is to surrender, to be set free, to join God's family, to make that exchange. But even us, God, we, we struggle sometimes thinking it's all about us. It's all about me. It's all about how hard I work. And God, I pray you would remind us that that's not true. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. So this morning, I pray all of us, Father, would take those steps closer to you. Walk closer to the one who is broken so that we could be set free from our brokenness. God, if there's anyone here this morning who's never started that relationship, I pray you'd give them the courage to ask, how did this begin? How does this start? How do I experience that gift that you promised? And God, I pray all of us pursue you in this moment. God, we know that in the end, all the things that we talked about, all the things that we do, all the stories that we share, God, none of this would be possible without Jesus. So it's in his name, his power that we pray. Amen. Let's stand up and worship.